Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode that we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, and thriller genre. Today's featured release is Dreamstalker by Nancy Gardner. All right, we are going to jump in and you all are going to get a treat. So Nancy's chapters are pretty short. And so instead of just doing the first chapter, we're going to do the first two. Okay, you guys ready? Chapter one, Salem, Massachusetts, October 1st, 2013. I stumbled through the early morning fog, blanketing Salem's gallows hills hurrying to the oak tree that my maternal grandmother, Sadie McGaskill, loved. When I was a child, she taught me that witches like ourselves derive energy from working with green, flowering plants and trees. I could still feel our arms stretched around the oak's trunk, listening for the pulsing power within it. Feel Mother Earth's wisdom rising, she said. I never needed wisdom more. The plan I cooked up with an old friend had gone terribly wrong. Kitty was supposed to bring my estranged daughter, Sarah, to dinner. Sarah's favorite dinner, creamy chicken pesto and pasta, was baking in the oven when I got the call. Kitty hasn't come home, and I'm not ready to see you without her. I may never be ready, Sarah said, her voice cold and unforgiving. She hung up before I could reply. When I called back, she refused to answer. If my husband Sam had still been alive, he'd know what to do. He died two years ago. It was long after midnight when I threw the cold casserole down the disposal and crawled into bed. When sleep proved impossible, I paced the empty rooms of our Chestnut Street home until dawn and then grabbed the nearly empty bottle of homemade dandelion brandy as an offering to Nana's spirit and rode my Vespa to the park atop Gallows Hill. Exhausted and achy, I forgot to watch my step and tripped over a rock. I managed not to fall, but the bottle flew out of my hand. I watched it shatter, watched the last golden dregs seeped into the grass. I felt like I was watching my relationship with my daughter ebb with it. As I dropped shards of glass into the nearby trash can, the wind seemed to whisper that I didn't deserve to find the wisdom I needed. I'd failed Nana, and I failed my daughter. Enough self-pity. I pulled my leather jacket tighter and scurried past the crumbling pavilion and rusting flagpole to the ancient oak. Once again, I pressed my cheek to the rough bark, closed my eyes, and waited. The bulk parsed. The crow landed in the branches above me, cawing and shaking loose a shower of dead leaves. I opened my eyes, and for a moment, Nana's face wavered above me. Then she was gone, leaving me with my questions unanswered. My cell vibrated. Who would call me this early? Sarah? Kitty with an explanation? I checked the screen. It was neither. Honey Campbell, my landlord and good friend. She owned the building on Pickering Wharf where we both ran our businesses. Her barber shop took up the first floor. My herbal studio, Healing Time, sat above it. Hi, honey. What's up? Thought you want to know that your friend Kitty came looking for you this morning. Honey scented her soft Scottish brogue, and by the by, she looked like sheep. 
She stumbled off toward Moe's. You might find her there. Two months earlier, Kitty had stopped me on the street. I'd taken her for a panhandler and almost turned her away. Then she said, Lily, don't you remember me? My parents took us to New York to see West Side Story. We had the best time. We shared a cup of coffee and Kitty shared her story. She'd been a high school biology teacher when she'd been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. The disease had taken everything from her, her teaching career, her home, her reason for living. She ended up lost on the streets. Things had taken a turn for the better for Kitty when she found a permanent bed at St. Bridget's Homeless Shelter. And because of the doctor who volunteered his services there, Kitty's memory was making a remarkable improvement. Thanks, honey. I'm on the way. I dashed back to the Vespa, strapped on my helmet, and started the engine. Usually, the thrum of the engine beneath me and the slapping rhythm of my braid tapping against my back soothed me. Not this morning. I pressed the throttle and hurried to Pickering Wharf, determined to find out what had gone wrong last night. Chapter 2 Morning traffic clogged Congress Street. In the waterfront hotel parking lot, I found a narrow slot beside a beige Corolla. This being Salem in October, a huge inflated jack-o'-lantern sat strapped to its roof. Clear evidence that Salem's silly season had begun. I scanned the walkway beyond the hotel and glimpsed a fast-moving figure disappear down an alley along the South River Channel. Kitty, I was sure of it. Pushing my way through a group of tourists descending from a tour bus, I collided with a woman dressed as the Wicked Witch of the West. Her green face puckered in distress as her pointy black hat flew to the pavement. Her costume reminded me that Wicked was playing in Boston later this month, and Honey and I had tickets. I grabbed the woman's hat and handed it back to her, muttering an apology, then rushed to the spot where I'd seen Kitty. Muffled cries came behind Finn's, a waterfront fish restaurant. Kitty? I dashed toward the sound. Kitty stood at the fence that separated the wharf from the water. Hands balled into fists, she delivered pounding blows to her own head, can't remember, whack, can't remember, whack, can't remember, whack. I raced to her side and grabbed her flailing hands. Stop, Kitty. We struggled for a long moment before she raised her gaze, unblinking eyes to my face. She stopped fighting my grip. I pressed my face closer. It's me, Lily. She blinked and then her gaze cleared. Lily? Yes, it's me, I said. Whatever is wrong, we'll fix it. I released her wrists and gently guided her back to Pickering Way. We sat on the bench in front of Moe's coffee shop. This was not the same kitty I'd had coffee with the week before. That kitty had been sure that her new meds were curing her of the debilitating Alzheimer's that had ruined her life. That kitty wore a smart gray suit she had picked up in a thrift shop for an upcoming interview for a job as a lab technician at Salem State University's biology lab. That Kitty had brought a note from Sarah, agreeing to come to dinner. Now Kitty's wispy white hair flew in all directions. Her faded plaid flannel shirt was buttoned wrong and her sweatpants were ripped and mud caked. She smelled of sweat and urine. Where were you last night? I asked. Kitty's eyes filled with confusion. Last night? Why didn't you bring Sarah to dinner, I asked. She began racking back and forth on the bench. Can't remember. 
I put my hand gently on her back. It's all right. We can talk about Sarah later. Kitty mumbled something. I leaned closer. What did you say? Kitty's gaze fixed on the amber nugget hanging from my gold chain necklace. The luciferase enzyme produces the, the firefly's bioluminescence. It's the most efficient lightning in the world, she said. Luciferase? Bioluminescence? My fingers rose to my neck. The amber felt warm, and the ancient firefly trapped inside for eons seemed to flutter its wings. Suddenly, I was 12 years old again and thanking my grandmother for my birthday gift. Always wear this, Nana told me. It's been passed down to each new generation of dreamwalkers in our family. The firefly inside of you will light your journey to the truth. Kitty touched the amber. I wish I had your power. I pulled back. Don't say that, Kitty. It ruined my life. What was Shadowland like? She asked. What was it like? All I could remember was waking up in the hospital. Frightening, I said. Kitty nodded. We sat quietly for a few moments, soothed by the warm sunlight. And then the sweet moment of connection was lost. Kitty began moaning again. What's wrong, I asked. Headache, Kitty answered. Hurts, hurts bad. Her pale lips and bloodshot eyes frightened me. Should we call a doctor, I asked. No, no doctor. Is she having a migraine? I sometimes had them and caffeine helped mine. If I could ease her pain, it might be easier to convince her to let me get her some medical help. Let me give you a cup of coffee, I said. Coffee? She fumbled with the button on the breast pocket flap of her shirt. Yes, coffee, but first, she put a tiny key into my palm and closed my fingers over it. What's this for, I asked. Find the truth, she answered. I was about to ask her what she was, what she meant when she doubled over. Hurts, 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 she said. I rose from the bench in a panic to get that coffee, but she grabbed my hand and whispered something. What? I asked, leaning down. Do you believe in hell? The question seemed odd. Even as a preteen at the Catholic school we both attended, Kitty had declared herself an atheist. Tell me, she begged, desperation in her voice. I believe humans create their own heaven and hell on earth by the choices they make, I told her. She let go of my hand, giving me a thin, brief smile. I hope you're right. I rushed into Moe's and ordered a coffee. When I returned two minutes later, Kitty had disappeared. I scanned the pier. The Hannah Glover's horn blared. The tour ship pulled past, revealing Kitty running across Congress Street Bridge, her gray hair whipped by the wind. Kitty, wait up! I sprinted after her, skirting the cruise ship office building. She ignored me and lifted her foot onto the bottom rung of the bridge's metal railing. My heart pounded. Suicide. That's why she asked about hell. Kitty, don't, please, I huffed out, nearly out of breath. She turned to me, shook her head, and scrambled to the top rail and crawled across it on her hands and knees. I didn't want to spook her, so I, I forced myself to slow down. Come on now, Kitty. We haven't finished talking. Carefully, she turned to face the harbor. I inched my way along the rail until I was ten feet away. She teetered, forward and back, forward and back, and then tipped forward. 
She was too close to the edge. Hurts, she said, her voice a ragged whisper. Please, Lily, find the truth. And then she lurched forward. I lunged. The threadbare flannel slipped through my fingers, and I watched in horror as my dear old friend flapped her arms like a strange, sorry bird. She thudded to the pier below. I forced my vision to focus as I peered over the rated. Kitty lay still on the wooden pier. A bloody Rorschach pattern spread beneath her twisted neck and halo of matted hair. Someone pulled me back. Oh, Lily, come away. I've called 911. Honey's eyes were wide with horror. My knees gave out and I sank to the ground, swallowed whole by memories I'd spent a lifetime trying to forget. Well, there you have it, the first two chapters of Nancy Gardner's Dreamstalker. So Dreamstalker was released in June of 2021. It is available from Amazon and other book retailers. The link is in the show notes. So let's learn a little bit about Nancy. Nancy writes cozy mysteries with a paranormal twist. Her, the first novel in her new series, Dream Stalker, tells the story of Lily Scott, a contemporary Salem witch who walks into people's dreams to fight crime. One reviewer called it a gripping tale of witchcraft, family loyalties, and the cost of seeking justice. Her most recent story, Death's Door, was selected to be included in the 2021 anthology Malice Domestic 2016, Mysteries Most Diabolical. She lives near Boston with her writer husband, David. So here is my review. Um, Dream Stalker lists as a paranormal cozy mystery. As you heard, it's October in Salem, Massachusetts, and Mrs. Lily Scott, Wiccan, herbalist, and dreamwalker is up to her neck in trouble. It started with a childhood friend. She suicided in front of Lily. That was what you just heard. That was followed with two murders, arson, another suicide, and an accident that threatens the life of the best woman Lily knows, her sister Anne. Lily follows a trail of clues to protect the women she cares for, including the one she loves most, her own daughter, Sarah. Bottom line, Dream Stalker is for you if you like your mysteries clean, your witches Wiccan, and your fiction decidedly feminine strengths of the stories? Gardner's female characters are the gems. All the major characters and most minor are female, with a large part of the story are dedicated to Lily recovering the relationship with her sister and her daughter. That puts this mystery solidly in the category of women's fiction. Each character is truly unique and they stay true to themselves throughout the telling for better or for worse. And what I mean about that is when you get to the end you don't get it the sense of that oh, you know, that person was supposed to be very stoic and then they did something very spontaneous or that character was supposed to be very spontaneous and then they didn't act that way. Um, Gardner does a very nice job in once she has her characters created that they stay true to themselves. Um, Salem, Massachusetts in October certainly gives a colorful backdrop for a story of quiet deceit and subtle treachery. And it definitely made me curious about the town, which is exactly what a good author does. Um, the story lives up to the cozy name. It is clean when it comes to the language and the overall storyline. And its roots in the heritage and traditions of Wiccan are that, are that niche that cozies are known for. Um, <clears throat> a very sophisticated hand compares and contrasts Wiccan to Catholicism, 
showing that when you look for differences, that is exactly what you see. But when you look for goodness, well, you find that beauty is abound. Where did the story fall short of ideal? Well, this story is listed as paranormal. So for readers who prefer moderation and paranormal, you'll appreciate Gardner's sparing hand with Lily's dreamwalking. As a reader who loves the power and imagination of the world beyond her own, I prefer to see paranormal in the same way that I want chocolate syrup on my ice cream. And so I was left wanting more. In my opinion, framing this story as a women's fiction cozy mystery better casts the light of the story. Lily has a lot of work to do if she's going to solve the mystery, save the shelter her sister runs, and repairs the relationship that are most vital to her. So that is it for Dream Stalker by Nancy Gardner. Pick it up, read it, write a review, tell a friend about it, especially those readers of Cozy Mysteries. Um, help those who love this type of story to find Nancy and Dream Stalker. Thank you very much for joining us and join us next week for our regular Mysteries to Die For episode. Take care. <laughs>